0: Thanks for tuning in. I'm Ellen, a PhD student in anthropology, and I study intimacy and finance uh, among the white working class in West Virginia.
1: This is Munira Hubbala and I'm at UCI in the anthropology department doing my PhD.
2: I'm Anne, second year PhD in comparative literature, and I do work on race, media, humor, and critical refugee studies.
3: This is Jill Chen, I'm from Complete Department, I'm on a first year PhD in UCI. Uh, My study is related to explore how certain identities making, like racial identities or gender identities, is complicit in nation state making.
4: Hi, I'm uh, Michael DeHaan, I'm um Think fourth year uh, PhD student in the Department of Drama, and I work on um, looking at uh, prisoner swaps, hostage uh, ransom through lines um, of performance studies, and looking at the performativity of value.
2: weeks ago i was on instagram and embarrassingly i follow a lot of um high fashion and i happened upon alexandra Wang's twitter or um, instagram account and he had this like i was scrolling through and there's all these models and stuff i was like oh it's new as if i could afford it but i happened upon like this one like image of this girl and she was wearing his clothes and i was just like what Why am I so uncomfortable with this photo? And I think our reading actually today on Race After Technologies talks about the Uncanny Valley and how like robots emulating us too similarly makes us feel uncomfortable because of some kind of threat. I don't know what it was. That could be it. So then I go to her um, Twitter or her Instagram account and at the top she, she's a social media influencer. So I didn't look up Wikipedia or anything. I just went to her page and she has like black lives matter, go vote 19. She lives in LA and I'm a robot is like right in her bio. And so I scroll down and I'm like looking at and like, she looks super real if not, but there's just something off, right? Um, she looks like one of those AI new AI figure dolls or whatever that have been made in recent years. But so I'm scrolling down and a lot of the comments actually is what I, is what where I learned about, like, how she identifies as a robot, but she might also be a digital art project from some company. So it's like a fictional robot. And she, in in all of her posts, she kind of, like, identifies as, like, you know, I'm sentient, you know, I, or she doesn't say I'm sentient, but she's like, you know, I have emotions, you know, I have these conflicts with these other robots that were also, like, created by the same creators. And so she she talks, so she has these live conflicts, but she also poses with, like, real humans like celebrities and stuff and so she's in in photos like selfies so that's also weird but yeah so she's this person I think she's really interesting because she's like this she she reads as a mixed race figure ethnically ambiguous right so to me that's a post-racial kind of figuration of a mixed race body right that projects its own futurity whether or not she's AI or not like post-racial futurity meaning that like you know, we can end racism or racism will become obsolete because we have so many mixed-race bodies. So there's that kind of futurity of the end of racism with mixed-race um, people. So she already has that as a mixed-race figure, ethnically ambiguous, but she's also um, an AI. So she's she's actually... Who
4: created her? Do you know?
2: These... Uh, Their names are
0: Trevor McFedries and Sarah DeCoe, and he's an artist and a DJ in LA. Mm-hmm. And she... I think it's also an artist. I'm not sure what she was doing before. So but I'm guessing white.
4: They're
2: digi- yeah. One so is white black and one
0: black. is white,
4: yeah.
0: uh, as far as I know. And they founded this company called BRUD. Bread. They've made a ton of money because she's a huge influencer. So they have brand deals with Prada mm-hmm. and Chanel and mm-hmm. all these things. And so that's the company now does these sort of like CG art projects, I think. Is that right?
2: Yeah. So... Last thing that I want to pose, I just felt super weird. Not because, maybe because she's, it's an uncanny kind of weird thing, but also because she's this post-racial figure and she's also a post-human figure. And I don't know what that means for, like, I just I just, I just don't know what to do with that, that, like, figuration of her, you know? And she's super political, but she's also this person that, like, backs all these brands. Right. Can I, just on that note, no,
0: just two of the things that I found very interesting um just sort of scrolling through her account so she's definitely aligned with this kind of like this kind of politics that's sort of roughly democratic party progressivism you know um, so like she's posting about DACA and she's par- posing like or she posts a photo of Lena Waithe who's a black actress on the cover of Vanity Fair with a profile written by Jacqueline Woodson who's a black writer you know so she's got this sort of like you know, light progressive thing. She has a picture with this Barbara Kruger installation at MoMA. That's part of this effort to promote voter registration. But then she's also posts ads like, and has brand deals with Supreme, which is that like hype skater brand that, that, stole, Barbara that, that sto- stole Barbara Kruger's aesthetic and, and then sues other people for using it. Right. And Barbara Kruger, um, I don't know if you guys remember this, but a couple years ago, Barbara Kruger posted this fantastic, she emailed it to her reporter, this fantastic, like, four-sentence takedown of them. And what I love about it is that she doesn't, Barbara Kruger doesn't say, like, these guys ripped me off. She says something like, this is idiocy in its highest form. They're all pieces of shit. Or just like, you know, <laughs> yeah, she's... yeah. Um,
4: she said it in a really interesting way. I don't have it, but I can find it. Yeah. Her response is really good.
0: Yeah. And so, uh, for those who don't know, Barbara Kruger is like a anti-capitalist, anti-establishment feminist artist from the 60s, 70s to, I mean, no, 70s, 80s through today. Um, And I just found that particular, having that Supreme brand deal, you know, several months before having this, you know, Barbara Kruger art installation thing, um, quite interesting.
4: Especially because Supreme sells like bricks with their logo on them. Yeah, they sell for like, you know, $100 that then resale for... $600 $600 because they're rare items because they only make limited edition bricks or whatever.
0: And it really is exactly the same. It's the same color and typeface that Barbara
2: Kruger
3: used. No, it's hers.
4: It's hers yeah, tires, for sure. It's yeah. Yeah. her fault
2: what i think is just like posing a question but what i think is is interesting too is that this goes back to to you know mixed race models as being kind yeah. of like super in within the last like decade right and you know kind of the arguments around like why are you stealing jobs you know or or like a, a position for an all black right like dark-skinned you know model and replacing it with like a model that also exemplifies white Eurocentric centric features because she's mixed race And then using that to commodify resistance movements at the same time, also uh, promoting high fashion or mid-tier fashion or whatever. Like, it's just so weird to me that it's, again, like I've always thought of the commodification of mixed race bodies as like, you know, kind of like we're diverse, but like really like, you know, or or whatever. She's very Mm light-skinned. And I also
0: think, I think a lot of people were critical of her or I guess her, quote in scare quotes, slash the people who create her because they said these CG non-white models are taking jobs away from real non-white models, which I think like, okay, fair. But also like it's freaking fashion industry. Like, so what? We're supposed to feel good about it if it's a black model? Like that doesn't make me feel good about it. I I guess it's better than if all the models were white, but there's so many other issues going on there to me. I am Again, yeah, I'm I'm, re- I'm going into <laughs> territory that we've kind of covered, but that doesn't concern me as much as all the other things that are attendant to the fashion industry.
2: And also that, like, what is an authentic black right. model or what is authentically black or right. authentically Asian or whatever? And that means to say, because I'm mixed race, right? And it's like, well, does that mean that I'm not authentically, right. like, whatever? And does that
0: mean that they shouldn't, hire human mixed race models because they should be hiring, you know, like yeah, really black skinned uh, black women, you know, like, so one question that I had for those of you who have read the Rua Benjamin piece, is this an example of what she calls the new Jim code, which she says the employment of new technologies and social design that reflect and reproduce existing inequalities, but which we assume are more objective or progressive than discriminatory, discriminatory systems of a previous era. So is this is this that or is that the wrong question? No, I think that's Yes. All right, I this podcast so. is over. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I hope you've enjoyed listening.
4: <laughs> Can you repeat that definition or maybe say it differently? Sure.
0: Well, so it's not my definition, so I'm going on I'm just assuming that this is what Benjamin means, but essentially she's talking about this, I would say trend in new technology that claims to solve social problems particularly problems around race or i guess more so than solve them render them irrelevant so to me when i was reading and i was thinking a lot of like early 90s late 80s internet culture whole earth catalog stewart brand mm-hmm. the internet's going to be a utopian future with no class or race or gender mm-hmm. distinctions and it's going to erase all these problems so i think coming from that but that's that's definitely not what she's talking about she's talking about very contemporary things, but that to me suggests that, um, you know, there's always another startup saying that they're going to fix any number of social problems through something that gets commodified, right? Well, this um, specifically,
4: though, is uh, is fixing it only on the problem of commo- on the level of commodity and <laughs> representation, right? right? I think the other one, I mean, you, there are probably many other companies who discuss that, but that's that's the kind of the issue specifically in this case, right? Is that it's fixing it for people who need mixed race models, right? And right. don't have the know-how or even will to actually go out and, you know, cultivate populations of people that might be useful as models right. for that reason, right? So they'll just create it. In a, but that's a whole... So that right. is a really disturbing kind of... I'm
2: super conflicted as a mixed race person, knowing that like mixed race Bodies also occupy a position of privilege in that it carries with it these multicultural, like kind of embodiment of diversity. And look, we've made it. There's no racism because we have mixed race people. And I get that that there's a there's relative privilege there because of the light skinness or ethnic ambiguity that allows a kind of a, you know, a, a kind of passing. But yeah, no. So I, I I guess it just feels weird.
4: But then, does it solve the problem for you to have? Is there any part of you that feels um, bolstered by the fact that somebody's chosen to artificially create a mixed race?
0: That is, <laughs> you and need to now answer for. No, I'm just saying,
4: like, <laughs> the in, there, in there is any is any part of that pride or you know a positive feeling because yeah. that you're being represented.
2: Because I follow a lot of like models too, and I notice that there are a lot of mixed race models, and I'm like, I always que- I, I question myself the other day, like, am I? like upholding like mixed race identities because I value something intrinsically in me, white Eurocentric features. And I'm like, no, because I think, you know, I I am looking for a kind of representation that which comes from my own background, right? Right. Mixed race, Asian or whatever. But at the same time, you're right. Like to me, it's weird. Like I I see, I'm more on the side that there's an issue with this, Mm -hmm. with, with there being this mixed race figure as representative of diversity, as it also takes away, but then it also questions of authentic- authenticity. So I have no idea how to feel. About
0: this. Can I throw another element about this CG persona out there that I think is relevant? Um, this is, so there was this whole thing, I think several years after she was first created, there was this whole, um, the company that created her, Brud, created another CG model and they got into this feud between the two of them that then became little Michaela against the other CG model and the company itself. But obviously the company is creating all of that. You know, it's, it's not, they're writing, they are her, they're the same thing. Um, So there was a post um, from, I think, April of this year of 2018, or maybe I can't quite remember, but um, fairly recently uh, when she was in the midst of this falling out with bread that has now been remedied and now she's back to being quote unquote represented by them. She criticizes Brad, the company that made her, that's also presumably writing this critique in the captions. Then she says, quote, I'm not sure I can comfortably identify as a woman of color. Brown was a choice made by a corporation. Woman was an option on a computer screen. My identity was a choice, choice Brad made in order to sell me to brands to appear woke. I will never forgive them. I don't know if I will ever forgive myself. That was a, that was a real thing. That was, that was a real thing. She posted that on her Instagram. Wow. But, of course, it's them. They're writing that, you know? So She
4: the AI.
0: She the AI. But it's, she's not an AI is the thing to remember. Right. She's a she's virtually creative. Yeah. She's a narrative yeah. about an AI, yeah. you know?
2: That is so, so weird.
0: They are writing that, presumably. And, and so in one sense, okay, that's a commentary on the fact that, yeah, they are using her and selling her. And those two people are making money on her mixed-race identity, right? Yeah. So on one hand, I guess that's like a critical self-commentary. But on the other hand, it's so annoying. Like, come on.
3: <laughs> I really love this meta-narrative about how she really right. herself has right. been sold by these companies because she's mixed race right. and also a supporter of Black Lives Matter, that kind of... Uh, democratic, progressive, crap, right. <laughs> progressivism. So I really love it. but uh, Right, yeah. I kind of love it too until then I read this and then I was like, oh. They're cleaning it up too much. Yeah, Like, they yeah. know. But actually they are still making money for her. It seems she's, she also make a takeover for Prada as pa- part right. of Mila. Fashion week. And
0: presumably they're making more money because they created this feud about her race, mm-hmm. right? I mean, right. I would figure that that's an intentional move on their part.
4: Well, the, that question of like, you know, when an artist mobilizes uh, prejudice or representational problematics around race, right? Like doing something that, um, uh, let's say, triggers somebody else's reaction and highlights how racist they might be. I think we talked about an artwork in one of, the, there was a reading that we t- discussed some artwork in this class, right? And the question was, well, is that better than somebody who's doing it with a kind of malicious intention, right? Because they're the, exploiting. the one
0: where it's the cake? That's yeah, there, yeah. Yeah. I
4: don't remember that piece specifically. It's, I have it open. The, it's, it's
0: in the Assad interview that I was citing before.
4: Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so the point is, you know, um, ultimately, um, are they being critical, uh, because they're still kind of commodifying this you know whatever creation. and does that does the fact that they are simply part of the system that they choose to you know try to critique is that a problematic that can ever be avoided anyway? You know, are they just making the best? Out of a crappy situation, which is nothing will ever get outside of capital or consumption or commodity culture. So you might as well do something. I mean, that's what an artist would say at this point in this kind of post -post postmodern, you know, moment, which is that there's no hope for objective critique. There's nothing like that doesn't exist. That's a fantasy. So they're just doing the best they can, which is making us all aware of our own, you know, making us have this conversation was their intent. At the
1: same time as selling us.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah.
1: Right. I mean, they make. And it's
4: okay to keep a the money. Ton of money. Yeah.
0: A I mean, ton again, of mo- imagine how much money they make. It's just unreal.
4: The question, you know, the, that uh, underneath all of that is—is is there even such a thing as resistance outside of commodity culture? Does that even exist? Is that just right. a fantasy to say like, right. oh, I'm going to boycott all the products, you know? And is if,
0: holding is holding the contradiction of that fact closer to the surface uh, making it more evident right. something that we can laud them for? Or is it, yeah.
4: If the best case scenario is de-sedimenting, sedimentization yeah. of the thing that's been sedimented and reified, then yeah, that's, they're probably just doing as well as you could do because anybody who thinks that they can stand outside of the system and say like, I'm going to take it down. You know, that's, that's naive.
0: And I think they would say that she, on her Instagram account raises money for ca- causes that they care about. And she probably does raise, just like they make a ton of money. She probably does raise a ton of money, um, for homeless youth projects in L.A. and stuff like that. I think yeah. that's what they would say in reaction to that.
4: But is it like 5% of their yeah, earnings or 10%? Is it Why isn't it 90% if right. it's so effing important to be resistant <laughs> within <laughs> the commodity culture? But so we that, don't know. I mean, yeah. who know,
1: we, we're not going to know that. It's like CSR, right? Corporate Social Responsibility. Yeah. Right.
4: It's just being able to check a box and mm-hmm. saying that you've done it. But mm-hmm. but is like how is CSR different than... Um, you know, an artist whose practice uh, aims to be resistant from within the formation of commodity culture. Is that any different?
1: I think, yeah, I think one of the interesting questions to ask is not, um, is it resistant or not, but what is it resisting against? Right. Right, so like what in specific?
0: Well, and is it even, is resistance the frame that this is in? Or is commentary or art the frame that this is in? I mean, not that those two things are mutually exclusive. Well, To me, I, I hard, find it hard to see where the resistance is here, but there, I, I, can, I, I don't know what to think about the commentary.
2: Yeah, I feel like you gave them such a benefit of the doubt. I really was like, they're playing all of this up. Like, There is question about whether or not this is a digital performance art piece in which your argument makes sense Let's that, they, it, that, that it they're is. trying yeah. to do this. But I really saw it as like, especially because it it, it coincides with her being commoditized, you know, like profiting off of high fat, whatever, or generating some kind of profit revenue. But like, at the, I just think that there's still this intent, this like very corporate oh, sure. intent yeah. to like, we know what would generate a kind of sympathy within like our, you know, followers, right? To, to to kind of side with her and to gain more followers and more attraction, we know what they want to hear. And therefore we will manipulate that narrative. Of course. Uh, yeah. that. That's how I read yeah. it. But I'm saying best case scenario, the best case scenario if scenario. they are
4: that, but I don't, I think th- this discourse around like the, you know, the postmodern methodologies of, you know, yeah. aesthetic production has become an excuse for 90% of the people that are doing it to just mm-hmm. say like, Hey man, I'm just part of the system and so are you. Right. So yeah. well, how can you, how can you blame me for selling t-shirts and buttons and you know,
1: yeah, Yeah, and I think it's um, interesting to note that um, in one article that I read, they compared her to a doll, Um, but I think a doll is really different because it's not at the realm of pure representation, and I think what it does is kind of, um, because things, uh, what's it called, because we are commodifying lifestyles when they're selling or marketing a brand, this bot... Um, this kind of representation has no limits. It doesn't have to think about class. It doesn't have to think about time. It kind of makes the, like, changes the norm if we start seeing all of these bots kind of representing lifestyles. And I, I feel like it's just gonna, like, they've run out of things to commodify in the real body. So they're moving to the realm of representation.
4: Well, or that the bot is more efficient at commodifying things that are no longer efficient to commodify about the human body. But the bot can work 16 to 20 hours a day. But we no,
0: it, f- but it can't because, it, I mean, it can only work as... I mean, I imagine it's more time-consuming to create the images with the bot than it would be to take photographs with a real model,
2: don't you think? Yeah, there was the... She's commonly uh, associated with Shudu, which is the first black um, digital model. And she has worked for... Uh, she, she's been used by Fenty Beauty. That's the... Yeah. That's the um, ai that you're talking about but their creator he's he he, her creator has had so much backlash because he's a white south south. i don't know he's this white man from like europe or something and he they're like you know you're fetishizing blah 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 and so i was watching that video and that kind of like how he feels about it he's like well you know this actually is this doesn't render models like human models like obsolete it's actually going to help for in some way but he he actually said like it takes so long it takes hours to like actually edit in these like these images like actually curated it to look real than it would to hire like a like a black model so there is a lot of work behind it's it it's
4: generally work that's being done by people f- from certain amount of privilege who have the background and understanding to code and you know what i mean and work in this kind of aesthetic language right so um, it kind of redistributes that labor mm-hmm. from somebody who might be of mixed race who might actually get the job Right, to somebody who generally might not be? I don't know. I mean, that's, I'm just, these are just words. I'm not.
2: Sorry. He, that,
0: that person. He doesn't who get paid. For the white do? The white guy who does the black one that got used by Fenty Beauty? Yeah, he doesn't get paid for any of it. Really? Yeah. So what is he, he's just.
4: Well, he gets paid somehow. He gets compensated, maybe not by them, but it probably leads him to other things.
2: Yeah, probably. Right? He, he was just like, I don't get paid for this. So there's no intention for me to fetishize or whatever. That's what his whole thing was.
4: In the same way that Facebook is free and not free because they're selling...
0: Well, but I do think it's worth noting that I do think there is a difference between... I mean, Lil Michaela has one and a half million Instagram followers. You can make... I mean, with the deals with places like Chanel and Prada, the creators are making a ton of money. And so I do think even though it's not like he's... The the other guy, which we knew his name, is off the hook. It is a difference of not... Um, taking money for brand deals like that. Like, if he's not taking money for Fenty Beauty, it's a huge difference in, in terms of what he's But making. would he
4: like to take money?
0: No doubt. Right? <laughs> that's what I'm
4: saying, is is he may, like, you know, he he's not taking money, absolves him of certain criticism, but maybe he wants to take money.
0: So is this the new Jim Code?
4: Only if you read that quote again. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, I, really, <laughs> I, what
0: it, I found another one that's um, not the same quote, but perhaps we'll... Shed some light on it. She says, I argue that tech fixes often hide, speed up, and even deepen discrimination while appearing neutral and even benevolent when compared to racism of a previous era. Mm.
1: Which is kind of what you were saying, Michael, right, with the efficiency, increased efficiency.
4: Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and also, you know, maybe barring this specific case, the tech industry generally has a massive race issue. Right, so um, this seems to be a kind of exceptional situation, I guess.
2: When you said is reminiscent of a prior era of like... Yeah, so actually what she reminded me of, like her face, it reminded me of the time... Little Michaela. Yeah, Little Michaela, sorry. It, she, she reminded me of the Time magazine that came out in the 90s, like su- the definition of multicultural. Do you remember that? I, I don't do. know. Yeah, so it's like if we were to like superimpose all these different races this was, is what it would look like and it super was supposed to skin. be what
0: humans will look like yeah. in 2050 uh, or something that was yeah it was supposed to be like a perfect
2: blend of all races and kinds of people and she so happened to also just look really white passing <laughs> but but yeah so so it reminded me of that so there's something really icky about 90 90s multiculturalism that's like we're super diverse look at us you know that i think is embodied in little michaela and so i do think it is a new even poet. if she's
0: also commenting on it, and that commenting on it is maybe what Benjamin means in saying, while well, appearing neutral and even benevolent, right?
2: Yeah. So then, like, and that goes back not to, just because she's multiracial, but
0: because she's thinking about her own multiraciality, mm-hmm.
2: and also that goes back to Ahmed and like how progressive racism constantly like re maintains it's it's like co- recuperating itself in other ways, right? And you could say that with multiculturalism. And then this is just another iteration of it, like progressiveness is embodied through her, right? In a new form of multiculturalism, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. so do you mean that by
3: uh, by uh, claiming that uh, she is mixed race and also post-racial, that she is actually embodying or reusing that kind of narrative in the 1990s of multiculturalism, which perpetuated uh, the era of racism prior to uh, contemporary US. So
2: that actually constitutes a new dream code, right? Yeah. So similar to the rhetoric of like racism will no longer be a thing because the white majority is going to become the white minority because people of color will dominate demographically, I think that that is a form of annihilation, right, of, of like that white racial anxiety that they're, they're taking over, go back to your country, like this is, a, like that that is representative of that anxiety of like being the minority, right, of that fear, that white cultural anxiety, and I think, I'm not really saying anything, but I think that there's that same, it correlates with that fear of like robots co- taking over too, right, and the fact that she's racialized, as mixed race is like the intersection of those two anxieties, robots taking over and also people of color taking over. And so like, she's like this right in between.